Kidney Clowder, episode 24, following round six. The Geelong Cats got up against West Coast Eagles at Kenya Park. 15 goals, 14, 104 versus the Eagles. 7 goals, 4, 46. Absolute demolition through all four quarters. All with me here. How are we? How's it going, mate? Very happy with this one. Jake, how you going? Yes, good. Thank you. Absolutely ecstatic with not only the result of this game, similar to the, the Demons match, but how we played all through four quarters. It was just sublime. All right, look on the stats sheet here. The key starts from the match. Beat them well, truly in disposals, 444 to 299 in the Cats' favour. We know that West Coast love to dictate possession and they love to kick from the back. And this was one of the things we pointed out in last week's podcast. We can't allow them to dictate the tempo or the possession of the game. We didn't at all. Mm. Disposals were all in our favour. Inside 50s, 61 to 39. Marks inside 50s, 16 to 3. Contested possessions, 157 to 124. Crucial. We beat them in the tackle count. Hitouts, we marked them. Stanley did a good job. Only part that they just got up with in the clearance department, but it didn't really matter because our defence was so rock solid. Ollie. Absolute fantastic match, and it's hard to pick out players here because before the match, it started fantastically. A 10-year reunion celebrating the 2009 Premiership, seeing the likes of Shannon Burns and Ottens and Mark Blake and Paul Chapman, Tom Harley all back there, Max Rook. It was a really nice way to start the match. Ablett and and Hawkins and Selwood then joined in for the, the photo, along with Harry Taylor. A game of 22 where 22 players from the Cats stood up again. Yep. Another another one of these games where we don't really have to mention a bottom six because of such an even contribution from from everyone. I'm just, yeah, largely very impressed with the with the team for the majority of, of, of four quarters. There was a couple of moments uh, in the middle of the game where there was a period of... Uh, malaise or we were kind of a little bit stagnant for a little while using the down the line kicks and too much uh, congestion down the line and not using the space enough but eventually uh, we worked it out and um, we were getting it inside 50 and getting shots on goal often enough that it was just a matter of time that that Geelong was going to be able to put a score on the board because for all for all the work that we were doing, West Coast was doing nothing, and our defence was able to repel them pretty easily. For all our errant kicking in the the second and third quarters, where we could have we could have had the game won by half time more or less. Um, for all the errant kicks, though, it didn't really equate too much because um, they were able to just eventually break through because they just kept peppering peppering and peppering the 50 eventually you're gonna you're gonna nail one especially if it's gary ablett in and around the uh the 50 meter mark running inside 50 you put the house on him to um to nail a goal from that position yeah exactly i thought first quarter we started the match off really really strongly talked jake last week about how we can't allow West Coast in this match to gain control of the possession, to dictate 
in terms of their tempo. They like to kick out at half back and maintain the tempo of the game and then do the percentage as well down the line to the likes of Hickey or if Vardy's fit Vardy and so on, Josh Kennedy, those likes. We didn't allow that at all. And we didn't allow the corridor play in this match, which we saw, unfortunately, against GWS. Uh, looked like their home turf. The first quarter, it was just us getting into our Ford 50 really, really quick, I thought. And to one-on-ones, to, to Gary Rowan, free. To Sav, free. Gary Rowan, I think, kicked three in the first quarter. A Hawkins, over the top, flooded. Another goal. And they all yeah. came from, I think three of them came from inside 50s from Gaz. One from Collar, I think three or four from Gaz. Yeah, well, he definitely had three inside 50s for the first quarter. He had four direct goal assists in the first quarter and 10 disposals at 100%. So it was a blinding first quarter from Ablett. And we definitely seemed to get it out of the middle quite easy. And it, it felt like, it's especially during the first quarter and the third quarter, we just didn't let West Coast get a chance to get the ball. And a lot of plays, we would have the ball. It wouldn't, we'd barely touch the ground. We'd get it into the forward 50 and it would result in a goal. And uh, I think the main thing to take from, especially the last two weeks and this game again, is how important the two Garys have been for the club and how they've combined with each other. And you can almost add Myers to um, a sort of back end of those two players as well. So Gary's been setting up, uh, sorry, Gary Ablett has been setting up Gary Rowan quite a lot. He's had about six goal assists to Rowan in the last two weeks. And Myers has um, taken uh, lessons from Ablett and seems to have been improving every week based on uh, just playing with Gary Ablett. And, and that's a really important thing uh, so far this year. But yeah, like you said, Ro, it just seemed like we didn't let West Coast get the ball when we had possession at stages during the the first and the third quarter we just took it and ran and then kicked goals and the west coast was sort of like looking left and right and well all of a sudden we've got seven goals straight in the first quarter yeah exactly three inside 50s as you as you named just then uh in ablett in the first quarter all led to gay Rowan marks and goals Um, and other one the goal the goal assist if i remember it correctly i think it was a handball to hawkins who then um, fed up Sav for a mark. The mm. other goal in that, that quarter that was really stood out was Ollie Myers just selling candy. It was something, mm. not since Stevie J days have we seen a bit of trickery like yeah. that. Yeah, I love his little little steps in, in, in tight, in close. His footwork just gives him that bit of extra space and he doesn't, doesn't seem to panic in those tight spaces. He likes to obviously play, play on and be, you know, high energy quite a lot of the time, which can uh, can run him into a little bit of trouble every now and then. And he was perhaps lucky to have uh, been given a mark up the city end of the ground when he took a mark and it looked as though he played on and he was called back. Then he went back and um, had the shot. He didn't quite make the distance, but um, was was able to. Take the take the set shot. I mean, within the 40-meter mark, that's where you want him to be, and that's where you would want him taking most of his shots. And he does have that confidence to have the shot. And as we were just discussing off off of air just before we came on here, you know, you want your you want your forwards to be hungry for 
the goals. You want them hungry to score. Granted, they ought to probably look for the best possible options, but play instinctively. And if they play instinctively and they're close to goal, what's the worst that can happen? You miss it and then you lock it in and you get another chance with a repeat inside 50. Mm. And it showed like that all through the four quarters. I know there were slips at times, maybe. Mitch Duncan finished the match around standard Mitch Duncan at his lowest. He finishes with, you know, mid, mid-80s disposal efficiency because he's such a, a crucial field kicker for us. So he did finish with around 85 and disposal efficiency. But there were two moments, I think, in the second or third quarter where uh, Duncan's kicks just led to errors and did lead to a West Coast goal. Aside from that, it was just a, a bit of a Geelong flood. Looked like West Coast did try to change the game plan and slow us up. So the first quarter saw us use a lot more quick, free-flowing corridor movement, I thought. Second mm-hmm. and third onwards saw us use a lot more one percentages down the line. Jake, in the end, it didn't really matter because we were our midfield was just harder to the ball. Danger, Ablett. Even Stanley there, 14 contested possessions, becoming Brad Ottens-esque. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely, you know, the question was raised after the game, were West Coast bad or were Geelong good? And you get that some games where, you know, even after the Melbourne game, like who, what was the defining factor which uh, made the result of the game? But I, I honestly think that our midfielders were tackling harder they were going the ball harder. They were definitely chasing the ball harder. And you can see that in if you just look at the tackles themselves. So Kelly had 11, Dangerfield had 7, and then you had 3 or 4 players with 5 and 4 tackles from the midfield and back line. I just feel like the team, and especially the midfield as a whole, knew what they were coming into. They knew they had to play this way to get on top of the Eagles early because if they let the Eagles in at all and get the ascendancy out of the midfield, then it would sort of be a more... Uh, a slog between the two teams but I I feel like we definitely had a plan to jump them earlier and that's why we had a seven goal opening quarter and that's why a lot of our players had uh, you know close to the six sort of seven average tackles a game as the midfielders should have and it was quite an impressive game from forward midfield and defense all around and you can't really say that it wasn't a four quarter effort except for maybe the second quarter where they kicked one goal five or one goal six they might have been a bit more accurate which would have helped but as a whole, all I think um, the team performed probably their best game for the year and yeah, worked really well together. Yeah, one of the, one of the better, uh, more even contributions. I mean, just to point that out, uh, in terms of the tackles, all bar one player had at least one tackle, mm. as, as far as I can remember. I believe it was only College Asney that, that didn't have a yeah, tackle, yeah. but pretty much every player has contributed defensively so it's a full ground defensive effort you're not just leaving the defending to defenders which is uh you know largely what we were doing during periods of last season when the ball would just slingshot easily out of our forward 50 and they had rebounded no worries it was also five players that had six or more 1% 1% efforts, and three of them were from the back line. So Taylor and Blitzarves had ten, uh, had 7 and 10 1% efforts, effective, uh, respectively. Um, so they're just like the small blocks, the small shepherds, little things like tapping the ball on to the advantage of a teammate that are so important in 
gaining ascendancy. Like if it's a 50-50 ball with two or three players from each team trying to get the ball and, you know, Blitzarf comes in and just taps it out to a player who's running past or ready to connect, collect the handball. That's just, it's worth so much just to be doing those little things and to have a team who, it seems like they're, they're trying. I know every, every player will try and do those small things, but it just seems like we're doing those small things really well this year. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's the small things that count, which seems to be why we're doing so well in uh, especially midfield and contest in congested sort of areas. Yeah, the, the 1% is add up to the end result. That's it. Mm. I, I think you both summed up a really, really key point there regarding sharing the load around. For instance, you look at, okay, our, our forward line has been the most dramatic change for our squad this season. Other than Tom Hawkins, it's a totally different scenario up forward. And we brought in pressure forwards, Luke Dowhouse, Gary Rowan, to add tackling pressure, to add defensive pressure up forward. They both only registered one tackle each. From looking at that singular stat, you'd think, okay, well, they haven't really put the pressure on West Coast forwards, have they? But off the ball, Rowan's run down chasing, yeah. just creates errors for the yeah. defenders. Knowing that he's he's coming at you, yeah, exactly. It, it, it's the, it's the exactly, fear that, yeah. It, it's the it's the fear that he puts into the defend into the opposition. Even if Dalhouse is going to grab one tackle, one match, then that void is filled because all right, you look at TK. He pulled out eleven tackles this match. Mm-hmm. Had the likes of Can Guthrie grabbing five, um, Dangerfield with seven. So it, it it's an all out twenty two performance. When you look at it, and our lowest player in terms of Output, who would you put there? Maybe Tom Atkins with 11 he, disposals you, you and can't five say tackles. That he wasn't doing his job, Did, though, as well. Didn't have a bad game, had a really good no, game. Not at all. So, if, he if he's our ball. 22nd player on the team, that's yep. incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And adding to the um, tackles row, it's it was really good to see Kelly, who was getting tagged by Hutchins quite heavily. And we know that Hutchins is quite a good tagger. He led the tackle count. Geelong by four tackles so even though we might not have got the most disposals as he usually gets you could tell he was doing the hard stuff and and working defensively very well and and that's quite commendable for him because he could have easily just you know tried to get the ball and and let Hutchings run all over him but he obviously worked hard to get the ball back into the team's favor which is um yeah it's a real positive for him yeah it's uh it's showing that he's willing to contribute in any way possible yeah Ablett's best match for the season. Gary Rowan just continues and continues. We talked about him grabbing, okay, he's only going to grab five to ten disposals per match, probably likely, but the clutch for those disposals is what matters. He grabbed mm. 14 this match, going at 93 disposals efficiency, four goals, and mm. four marks inside 50. Incredible, incredible. I, I thought actually one of the players that isn't really talked about that much. Had a fantastic game. Goes under the radar. He's played six games, all six games this season. He played the last four games of 2018. Mark O'Connor really stood out to me. The Shark, yeah. I just said in the um, player review or the player ratings before that Zach Tui tweeted that he might not get back into the team if the Shark keeps up this form and thankfully <laughs> we got Reg back into the team, but it wasn't at the cost of O'Connor and definitely not at the cost of his form. He's honestly been, he's gotten better every game and 
you see his name and your brain automatically tells you that he might be a liability, but then you watch him play and you're like, who is this guy? He started yeah. just clunking intercept marks and contested marks whilst on a player. And he did a really good job at shutting down Jamie Cripps and some of the smaller West West coast forwards. And Cripps is no slouch. He kicked first uh, four goals in his first game back for the year. But you look at some of the West coast's forwards numbers Allen had five disposals and a goal. Cole had four disposals and a goal. Ryan only had seven touches. Darling had 10 touches, but was barely cited for the game. O'Connor and the rest of the back line played a superb game against West Coast, who have one of the most potent forwards. Whether or not they're in a form slump or not, you still have to stop them from getting the ball. And as a, as a unit, as a defensive unit, the misfits have done the job again. And O'Connor is pretty much the face of the defence this year. He, he does repeat efforts. He tries every week, and so far he's, he's improved um, with every game. Absolutely beyond measure. Um, one, one thing that I loved about him, and I think both of uh, will all agree on this for sure, both of you will agree, there was one particular moment when I think he, he had the ball uh, in open play, basically, He's backed himself to run away from his direct opponent and take a bounce. Yeah. And then kicked it down the kicked it down the wing, but the kick was perfect as well. Mm. And the crowd, the crowd actually I watched the replay um, after attending the game, of course. Uh, watched the replay and the crowd was noticeably louder in that moment in time. You know, they've given him a cheer because yeah. He's taken the game on and he's actually succeeded and he's set up a rebound. And I think that rebound actually led to a score, which is the same sort of thing as what he did in the Hawthorne game when he took that great pack mark and then yeah. rebounded from defensive 50. Same thing happened. He is a weapon in that regard. Looks calm and composed on the ball. He looks like he has more time on the ball. And Mark O'Connor in defence, you, you kind of fear because it, right, it's in your defensive 50, Jake. You should be getting rid of it, getting out of there. But he, he just looks so composed and he, n- nothing really shakes him. Yeah, he, he's definitely... It's it's hard to really explain, but he, he, he just... It sounds weird, but he just... O'Connor looks like just a footballer. And we know his story that he was a highly rated junior out of Ireland and they were actually really gutted that he left because he was going to be a great Gaelic player but he's just like every year he's gone from strength to strength and every game this year he's gone from strength to strength and I think he's really backing himself in and using that confidence to to just play football which doesn't seem like a hard thing to do but when you've come from you know a different country and you weren't brought up with the game it's not the easiest thing to do so definitely Mm -hmm. a big tick to him and and Tom Stewart, again, if we're talking about defenders, another six rebound 50s. And he's just seemed to have brought in consistency to his game, which he wasn't inconsistent last year. But every week, you know what you're going to get from Tom Stewart, where he had a couple of quieter games last year. But as a whole, it was a, a fantastic season for him. Um, but I think, as I said before, O'Connor and Stewart are really like the shining lights of this defense this year. And you can add Harry Taylor back into that mix as well with, with his him back to full fitness. and looking like he got rid of all his foot issues that he had last year. It's the second week in a row, Ollie, that Harry Taylor's racked up around 
20 disposals, 22 disposals this much. He he seems to, in recent weeks, like getting up the ground more and hopefully having a shot or two. Yeah, he's uh, he's been known to sneak forward, as we, as we know, and he is the resident swingman in the team, I guess, and can play either role, obviously, more settled to more uh, suited and settled in defence. You know, he's he's evergreen just as much as Ablett is evergreen. Really happy with the, the rest of the misfits, I guess. Jake Cole-Jasney, Jack Henry, great games as well. Savaradigalay, I thought, actually he had a really good game, 14 disposals, and he was really present up forward. I know we spoke last week, goals on the board, just to get some confidence going because he's only kicked one goal in the previous five matches this season. He ended up with one goal too, but I thought he did have a really, really good presence up forward. That, and that frees up Rowan, and it frees up Hawkins, and Hawkins finished with three goals three. He probably could have finished with a bag of five, uh, along with 18 disposals. Jake, another one there. Zach Tui made his, his return to the club this week in the seniors. How did you see his game? Yeah, well, it was good to finally get him back. And I mean, he didn't set the world on fire, but he's, he definitely knows his role and he does it quite well. So he, he provides a bit of run and carry out of the back line and he can man up quite well and, and win most one-on-one contests. So we can't really ask much more of what he did during the game. It's good to have him back and get that further experience in the back line. Um, Jordan Clark will get back into the team at some stage this year, but he looked a bit tired and looked like he needed the rest anyway. But yeah, it was good to have Tui back, and he just adds that extra layer uh, to that back line, extra layer of experience and, um, and poise, and you know, hopefully he kicks another goal after the siren this year sometime for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And regardless of, of the debate between how good we were or how bad West Coast were, it, it's four points, and it's four points against the reigning premiers. Uh, having said that, West Coast, there were really only four players I thought that hurt us from then, really hurt us. Tom Hickey was a really good match for Stanley in the ruck and 25 disposals for any ruck. Tom Hickey being like a a more flexible athletic ruckman might be what was hurting Stanley there because Stanley's probably used to running, you know, bigger, slower, uh, tapped ruckman off their feet and beating them around the ga- around the ground. But Hickey is sort of in that same mould of Stanley anyway. Um, Shannon Hearns having another fantastic year after being All-Australian last year and the Premiership captain. But um, Andrew Gaff, I thought, was reasonable on the wing and Shuey also was quite explosive, as he normally is out of the midfield. But to be honest, Ole, they, the West Coast team as a whole just seemed to be too focused on playing football than playing the game, if that makes sense. I don't know. I feel like they were under pressure a little bit for playing, you know, in a an away game, in a, a, a ga- ground that they're not really familiar in winning with. And they just didn't rock up, especially for the first quarter, but at stages during that game as well. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's plain to see just purely by the scoreboard alone. Um, you know, the stats... Uh, strongly in Geelong's favour. So for the most part, it was largely a domination from the Cats. Other things to point out, well, we may have already touched on it, but uh, I thought the scoring or score involvements or more or less goal assists was 
something very uh, very prevalent in in the match, given what we were talking about in relation to uh, sharing the load. There was very much a great deal of evidence from that statistic alone in the forward line, particularly. Definitely. If I could ask your boys your your favourite moment from the match, whether it be one individual moment or a collective team moment of link-up players, what was your your, your moment that just got you on your feet or just brought a smile to your face with this match? Ollie? Oh, probably Brian Myers' goal, to be honest. Those, yeah. You know, the, the little uh, steps and uh, showing that little bit of poise to step around and snap it. I could see it happening, but then for it to actually happen is always nice. And I was sitting with my with my mate and we knew that we knew that it was going to happen because we knew he's he's that sort of player. He wants to sniff out the goal, and he there is a little bit of that confidence, or you know, it's verging it's verging on almost a smidgen of of uh, arrogance, or um, you know, but not in a not in a necessarily a bad way. I mean, sometimes it it doesn't come off, uh, but when it does, it's brilliant, and um, that was definitely a moment that stood out. Yeah, it was it was really amazing to watch. How about you, Jake? I think um, Dangerfield's goal at the end after his little crumb and collect and snap around the corner was probably my favourite moment. Mm. I find it funny how Dangerfield seems to miss miss set shots from like 30 metres out directly in front, but he can kick those <laughs> ones after collecting it or kick goals from like 60 metres out on the run. But he might need some uh, goal-kicking practice along with Sav, who was my Clouder Cat of the Week nomination last week and he did quite well didn't get i think i said four goals but he had three shots at goal so i'm still happy with that but he definitely started clunking some marks a bit better but yeah that was some that was some good bits i think if you've all just picked out the the big highlights package there from from the match (laughs) dangerous goal myers candy goal uh yeah we've already talked about gay rowan's marks and goals as well just to name a few that weren't really highlight packages but they, for me, they really epitomise the the style of football that we're playing this year. Hawkins field kick to Stanley. He just took his town outside the fifty, looked around. From there, Hawkins probably has the distance if he wants to shrug off someone and, and take a shot. But yeah, he took his time, entered it, and just found Reece Stanley about thirty metres, thirty five from goal. The new to young that we're seeing this year. From Seld on the wing, only getting 25 disposals, and the likes of Charlie Constable and Grant Myers racking up the same amount. Gary Ablett, the exact same thing, taking his time, just waving up a man, and then freeing up Charlie Constable to take a mark inside 50. It just looked like on the, the left the, too. Yeah, <laughs> it just looked like the the superclass, the, the the master to the young prodigy. Charlie mm-hmm. Constable, in, who we hoped to be, I guess, the, in the future, our, our gladiator, our Joel Selwood of types, our, our one in the centre that will be up there and fighting for us. So yeah. it, the moments that really this year, they, they really spark, I guess, the, the transition between, not the, the old, but I guess the, the, the clunk of group that is around 30 years old or, or plus just around that, and then the likes of Myers and and Charlie Constable as well. There was another one that Lane Ryan, uh, he's 
bump on on Tom Stewart, which unfortunately ended up in them clashing heads, and it was quite nasty to see for both players. And in those situations, you just want the player to go off field just to get a concussion test up. You just it doesn't look good. But Tom Stewart, <laughs> him getting up and him smiling and a back in the Geelong physios. I'm not a therapist. I'm not, I'm not a doctor. So obviously there was no concussion prevalent with Tom Stewart and his ability just to get up and bounce back up is it's part of what we're seeing this year. It was this is yeah Atkins spoil as well that led straight back to Gary Ablett's goal. It's yeah, just these efforts. It's a, the gladiator get up style, which is. 22 players, players a squad, players a team. We we haven't named one. There's six games now. We haven't had one bottom six, which we've had to name. Yep. I think every single match last season, albeit two at the end when we pumped Frio and and Gold Coast at home. So it, it was a real complete performance from me, and I, I couldn't have been prouder leaving Kenya Park. Yeah, absolutely. Some of those moments that you mentioned uh, are the moments that kind of fade into the uh, into the abyss or into the peripheral in a sense. You know, they're not the ones that we always remember, but they're the ones that are those one percenters that make up the win. Should we have a short break and then we'll, we'll answer some fans' Q&A questions? Sure. Sounds good. We'll get straight into some some fan questions. Jake Lynn Reeves says, "Love the balance of our team. Looking forward to the test against Essendon as we struggle against quick teams. Interested to know who will get rested. Stanley Rowan Myers playing well above their potential. Sav is going to be an absolute finder soon. I feel cats by five. Sav to kick four. I love Leon's Leon's positivity every single match. I guess he's he's raised three separate points there. Jake, one being Essendon and the quick teams that we, we do struggle against as we saw that last season against Essendon and against Western Bulldogs. Also there, the, the likes of Stanley Rowan and Myers playing fantastic. And Sam Manigola. Talk to me about Sam Manigola, Jake. Samuel, Samuel. Look, he hasn't been playing bad at all. He hasn't been playing bad. I think just Ablett might have taken his spot if that makes sense. I feel like if Ablett never came to Geelong, Menegola would have been having the numbers that Ablett was having. And he, he looked like he was on the rise and the bell curve was going upwards. And that's the role that he had in the team. And he's still doing that role, just not as great as Gary Ablett's doing it. And, you know, one player is Gary Ablett and no disrespect to Menegola, but Menegola's, I think, still a 50-game player. And he's still learning, even though he's an experienced senior player. He didn't have an inside 50 against West Coast and he had one per week the last two weeks, which, in my opinion, isn't enough for what he needs to be doing for his role in the team. He still had four clearances. He still had five tackles this week. So he's doing his bit. But I think his job is to be kicking inside forward 50, to hit Hawkins on the chest, to hit Gary Rowan on the chest. He is as good a kick inside 50 as Mitch Duncan is for our team. And I think that's such a weapon for us. And when there are games, probably like the Adelaide game, which was his best one, 
we really need his uh, efficiency going inside 50. And I think that's the key, basically. And, you know, let's just pretend that I'm Chris Scott. And if I had one thing to say to him, I would just focus on getting the inside 50s and, and using his elite kicking to to the advantage of himself and for the team. As for us coming up against Essendon uh, and the queries about us playing quicker teams, so our next three weeks are Essendon, North Melbourne and the Bulldogs, who definitely do have some pace. And I think that is the one sort of style of gameplay that can hurt Geelong as a team. And we saw it a bit against Adelaide during the third quarter where they used that Rory Laird and Brody Smith and Miller out of halfback and slicing through the midfield. And and that can hurt us sometimes. Um, I'm actually, honestly, a bit more worried about the Essendon game than I am about or about how much I was before the West Coast game because they same here yeah yeah they've given us trouble beforehand and North Melbourne has as well and obviously Bulldogs beat us last year with that kick after the siren from Taylor but I think with how our form is at the moment you know you look at the teams on paper and the four months and you'd probably say Geelong wins by like twenty to thirty points but you never know with Essendon they're coming off the worst case scenario for Geelong is that they're coming off you know, a, a win where some, uh, they're coming off a loss where some Essendon supporters would say they were they got robbed against Collingwood on Anzac Day. But I definitely feel like they're going to be hungry and, you know, out for blood this week. And they would know that they've had good form against Geelong recently. So a little bit of concern, but I would still like to, to back us in. And, and that would definitely show some maturity for the team and show that we've moved on from losing those games where last year we seemed like, you know, like Bulldogs and, and Essendon again gave us a hiding. There were games last year where we'd walked in and expect to win and we didn't. And they were the games we seemed to lose a lot. And I think that would be the next step for us is to stop losing them. A few of the questions are regarding the, the upcoming matches, Ollie. Kieran yes. Yap says there's been a history, recent history since 2011 of Essendon getting really fired up against the Cats, winning one fixture against the odds most seasons since. This game makes me nervous, he says, and I, I completely agree with him. Yep. What are your thoughts? Yep. One thing we can't afford to, to be is complacent. You only have to look at recent matches against Essendon to know that they push us all the way, and in, instance, in, in various instances, they've beaten us just with sheer speed and just by virtue of the fact of us just going into the game, you know, half-hearted. But um, I think there could well be some supporting evidence to suggest that we're a different team this year as well. So uh, perhaps we bring something a little bit different that we haven't brought in previous years. So as a result of us having, you know, more more ability to, to uh, put pressure on in the forward half of the ground... Essendon can't exploit that with as, with as much pace out of half-back. They'll still back themselves into outrunners, of course. They've got Saad and McKenna and, and a number of other players that, that are absolutely lightning across the, across the field in that defensive half. They really use that slingshot to their advantage. But I think we've upped our weaponry in, in regards to the defensive pressure in, in our forward line so it's going to be more difficult for them to to do that or judging on 
form anyway, you would expect that there's going to be you know, a greater level of pressure that we're putting on the opposition. Essendon, they started off the season a strange one, their first two games with some comedy errors. Matt Guelphie and another Essendon player just walking off the, the ground, interchange bench, just not looking at the ball at all. <laughs> Isaac Everett, Jake, asks, can Geelong remain consistent over the next few weeks? They have been overcome by lowly teams in previous years, and a repeat of this could be costly in a season as close as this. Now, we did see this last year. Oh, you've heard me harping about this dozens and dozens of times, the Western Bulldogs match and how crucial that was. And mm. it should have been four points. And they did come out of the blocks and they played like they did in 2016. It was surprising. So upcoming, Jake, we've got Essendon, who looked to be in good form. They've suffered a loss against Collingwood, but albeit by four points and yeah. read into the, the umpiring what you will look like they do have the corridor play back and, and running. No deal in Shield didn't have the, the greatest game. They do look fit and firing again and, and energised. And when they get quick through the corridor, they are a frightening team to watch. So similar to Western Bulldogs, if they Western Bulldogs are one of these teams that they'll lose a match to the Gold Coast and then they'll turn it on next week and they'll look like shades of 2016. North Melbourne have started off the season shockingly, just with horrible use going forward. But then, okay, after eight, eight rounds, <laughs> will they get into a patch of form and will it come up against us? Can Geelong remain consistent over the next few weeks, Jake? Look, it would be a massive waste if we did all this good work so far after six rounds to be five and one which in itself is unbelievable that we're in this situation to be four and two or even three and three looking at this fixture before round one would have been great for us but to be five and one a game clear on top of the ladder and percentage is unbelievable and to lose you know the next if we lost two out of the next five games we would be I would say upset considering the the teams that we're playing um, I, I would like to think that the, the team and the club as a whole would not be complacent, like you said, Ol, and they would know how good a chance they've given themselves with this really good start. And I'd like to think that they would would not be complacent and go into each of these games, not just thinking they would come into it and win, but they would have to provide the exact same effort as they have in each game so far. I don't want to be the team that kickstarts North Melbourne back into form and I don't want to be the team that you know Bulldogs come out firing and they and they beat us by a goal again and, and all of a sudden instead of being possibly seven and seven and one or eight and one we could be you know six and two or three it's it would be disappointing but like I said before based on our form and based on the form of the teams we're about to play my head tells me we should be winning each of these games but my heart still knows the heartbreak of previous seasons, and I just hope that we go into each game with the right mental attitude. Last season, Essendon absolutely flogged us all around the ground. Western Bulldogs beat us. Harry Taylor missed after the siren. We did beat North Melbourne, but it came down to the wire. So all teams were very, very competitive, playing a, a really tough brand of football. Let's not put them into form, even though Essendon look like they are in form at the moment. Ollie, a bit more positivity, though. Our man Gary Rowan, who's becoming an absolute fan favourite. Ben Jarman, 
always positive. I love Ben Jarman's comments. Says, absolutely love the Garen Ronald pickup and it was amazing seeing old school guys, but I honestly believe massive team effort. Great to see our depth and the kids stepping up. Go Cats. Yeah, that's, I mean, what, what more can be said? You know, the, the two Garys were just electric, various uh, parts of the game. So, so Ben's hit the nail on the head there. And we know how good the, uh, the new inclusions in terms of the young, younger, more inexperienced or youthful players have been. It's a week-by-week proposition. Uh, but this week, we're very, very upbeat. Um, we can't, can't celebrate the success too long though unfortunately because it's just this is the nature of the uh home and away season you know you have a day or two where you reflect and then you just move on to the next game leon's question there interested to know who will get rested this week knowing that that jordan clark uh had the week off with zach tui coming into the team bit tough picking uh, Sarah and Lenny Ross also states, what are your thoughts on run to the buyer? Could this really set us up for a top two finish? So essentially asking two questions there. One regarding our recruits. They've been phenomenal. Um, the two players that we have recruited from trading, Dalhouse and Rowan, could not be happier. And the likes of the young kids stepping up from the VFL, uh, Myers, Atkins, Constable, amazing. Who do you think could be stepping out this week if Jordan Clark is to come into the fray? Um, I honestly don't think we will change the team. And I don't think as good as Clark has been, you'd be taking anyone out of that back line to get him in. Mm. The only way I see Clark coming in now is if one of the mid players in Atkins, maybe Mize, if they stop performing, uh, or if they need a rest, game. yeah. Yeah, it, or if they need a rest, yeah, correct. I, I could see uh, Clark coming in and like playing on a wing, maybe, and using that pace and that and that great kicking to use on the wing. And you know, Matt, maybe Guthrie moves into the middle, and Clark goes into the wing to replace Atkins. Um, it would probably be a matchup sort of based thing as well. But I don't think there's anyone. We had the bye in the VFL on the weekend as well. So there's not really any form from the VFL um, or the AFL players who are playing in the VFL to go from. So it's sort of hard to hard to see any movement um, going on out of the team, and especially after such a good win and how well we played. Um, and there was definitely no injuries out of the game apart from Stewart's head knock, I think. So I did see Zach Tui actually on the bike with a a jacket on during the last quarter. So I don't know if he had any issues. They didn't really say anything in any match reviews or anything like that, but maybe it was just a, you know, a, a issue of him not playing for a while and they were just ticking his legs over and he was off for the rest of the game anyway. But I think the only reason we would do changes would might be a matchup thing, but I, I, again, I don't think that would happen. Um, yeah. Today, Tim please manager, Jake, with, uh, some Geelong representatives, Stephen Wells and Simon Lloyd. I think the key quote for me here is from uh, TK's agent stating, we understand that they are, meaning Geelong, very interested in Tim Kelly staying. That's no surprise to us, but that doesn't 
doesn't mean anything has changed. It's way too early for us to make a call as to what we're doing next. We'll continue to talk to Geelong, but he's a player in demand, and I know for a fact both Perth clubs are interested in him if he decides to come home. Following that, Kyle Ryan says, win the Premiership and the Jet, Tim Kelly signs for five years. Your thoughts there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I can see if, if we win a Premiership that Kelly would obviously want to stay with the Premiership winning team, but it could also go the other way and, you know, he wins a Premiership and we're happy to let him go because we're happy as a club. Um, as for the the other Tim Kelly-related issue there with the his manager meeting with the club, you know, we sort of said in our little group chat before that he wouldn't be meeting with the club so early in the year to tell him that he's not going to sign with the club and going to, again, request a trade to West Coast or Fremantle. But I think uh, it's come out since that information has come out as well that it was more of like a welfare checkup and they were just sort of checking on how everything's going, obviously, with his family and how they're going, settling in with Geelong and how the club's helping them do that. But I think that would be a pretty common meeting to have. Um, Obviously, he's a player manager and that's his job to talk with his client and they probably would do it at Geelong as well. So we'll probably have to wait until after the season to find out more about the TK situation. Hey, Al? Yeah, more or less, it just sounds like, you know, they're just client liaison type stuff. I don't think a great deal of, uh, you know, facts or figures would be would be discussed, really. More or less for the nature of the of any sort of potential deal anyway. As far as I'm aware, he's a he would be a restricted free agent. So um, if he can't get a deal done with Geelong, there's a trade that would have to be made. Other than that, he would go to the draft. That's probably the extent of my um, my understanding of it at the moment. But I'm sure we'll hear, we'll hear plenty of uh, chit-chat throughout the year. Um, how much we want to read into it is uh, rather subjective. Look, we're, you know, we're six, six rounds into a new season and we're playing well. I think we can wait a little while to uh, discuss any sort of um, contracts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Round six now, and you look at, all right, the media's main talking point is a reported Sam Wiedemann contract for 650000 <laughs> If that's the biggest talking point, then they're going to get on Tim Kelly's shoulders all season long. So we'll hear a lot more regarding that, but it, it, it won't be over and, and until the season ends, I guess. Following that, Sarah and Lenny Ross asks Jake, what's your thoughts on the run to the buy round? Really could set up a top tier finish. This leads us into previewing the upcoming match on Sunday against Essendon, against pressure outfits when they can be on. They're not always on. They're not always consistent. Essendon, Western Bulldogs and North Melbourne, when they're on, they're on. Four points lost by Essendon against the Magpies last week. But they have some standout midfielders, and you can't really deny that. Dylan Shields, Zach Merritt, Heppel's had a fantastic season. I've been super impressed by, by Dyson Heppel all season. Um, Jared Danaher's back and kicked a bag of four. Bell Chambers in the ruck looked solid. All around the ground, and that Tipper, these sparks, Connor McKenna and Saad out from the back look like they have a bit of explosiveness and... and Speed, Jake Stringer can create something out of nothing. 
this match actually worries me. This this really worries me. It's it's strange to say that we've actually beaten West Coast, we've beaten Adelaide, we've beaten Collingwood, we've beaten a lot of heavyweight teams, but this is the match that's most worrying me. Yeah, well, as in response to that first question, if we can win, you know, four and at least three out of the next five games, we'll be setting ourselves up really well for the top four uh, and a shot for you know, a, a solid finals run and hopefully some home games. And we definitely shouldn't be missing the eight from this point now, but uh, definitely top four should be a strong contention now for us. Um, Essendon as a team have really pulled their guns out the last like three weeks and they've really clicked as a team. They looked very sluggish the first couple of weeks, but like Collingwood in the first round who looked thereabouts but just didn't seem to click, and then the next week they clicked and they haven't looked back since then. Um, Essendon have really got their stuff together and they only lost by four points last week, as you said, and, and that was with Arazio Fantasia as a late out as well. And Danaher was back in kicking goals again. He looks in uh, good form and back to full fitness, which can be dangerous. He's quite athletic and you know tall and strong and can take those high marks and kick goals from outside 50. So... That's obviously their focal point in the forward line, along with Jake Stringer, who's started to pick up some form as well this season. Mark Bagley's actually been quite a good forward for them as well. He seems to get you know one, two, three goals a game and offers some inside 50 tackles for the uh, Essendon as well. A lot of people have been mentioning Dylan Shield during the week and how he might have cost Essendon the game, which I thought was a bit harsh because he, he did have a good game and collected a lot of the pill, but he did burn his disposals a, a few times, actually, and, and missed a couple of shots at goal. But if we let him get off the chain again and get, you know, 30 disposals and two or three shots at goal, I don't think two weeks in a row that he'll butcher the ball that much as he did previously and miss easy shots at goal like he did. So, again, I wouldn't mind seeing Cam Guthrie play a defensive role on Dylan Shiel. He's got the pace and the strength to go with Dill. Um, and I think Guthrie suits that role really well because he's a really flexible and mobile player. But definitely Essendon have got some midfield guns in Zaharakis, Heppel and Merritt as well. So it's going to have to be a real strong performance to to beat Essendon. They'll be a team that uh, troubles a lot of sides this year. And more often than not, they'll be getting over teams late in the game. Mm. I think if their speedsters and their young kids come out firing from the start, the likes of Right, Andy McGrath, Guelphie, uh, as you said there, Bagley, even Parrish. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Parrish, to be honest. He's been linked to Geelong, whatever you want to read into that, even though he is extremely young. But if they if they come out of the blocks firing and just run, run through the corridor, then we could be in serious trouble. Ollie, are you fearing this match? Are you confident? What are your thoughts regarding upcoming versus Essendon? On paper, Essendon look as good as anyone. We've thought that that might be the case for uh, for well at least a season now. Um, when they got to, when they started to to piece together a few a few more pieces of their jigsaw that they're trying to build for their next um, tilt at a premiership, Devin Smith and uh, Stringer and now Shield and, and these sorts. 
they are a fantastic uh, bunch of individual players. It's a it's a 50-50 game, this one, I would say. Uh, Geelong, we have, we have the right to feel comfortable and confident. And we'll probably go into this game. Um, it's probably not a shock to suggest this. Uh, we'll go into it favourite, but that doesn't mean anything, really. Um, yeah. It just means we've been in decent form. And if we want to stay in decent form, we better put up a decent performance. But it's going to be easier said than done in some regards. Uh, potentially the ruck, if we can uh, at least break even in that regard. I'm not sure how uh, how mobile Bell Chambers is at the best of times. He's not he's not a uh, not a bad player by any means, but he's a he's a role player for them more more or less. Mm. Yeah, we have to be. Um, we have to be on it. We have to be honest, treat this game on its merits. Yep. Exactly, yep. For once, I'm actually not confident for this game. We're top of the ladder. We're four points clear. Even if we lose this game, we'll probably top. The, we'll probably still be top of the ladder or be percentage. Uh, I'm not confident. I'm predicting a Geelong loss, unfortunately. <laughs> Wow, this is a first for you. This is <laughs> the first, yeah. Yep. So I'm predicting a Geelong loss, and my cloud account of the week for that reason will be Mark Blitzarves in defence to really hold the line, and hopefully we can get up against Essendon and be mm-hmm. six to one. Mm-hmm. Jake, look, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to go with you on this. To be honest, I, I honestly think that Essendon's gonna win. By five points, I think this might be the game where we get figured out. If I don't think we're going to play poorly, but I think Essendon are just going to be that hungry for a win and feel like they were robbed last week, that they're just going to come out breathing absolute fire. And like I said before, the club should, as in Geelong, should know this and they should come out and, uh, and negate that somehow. But I think that Essendon just have that that leg speed and, and kicking ability inside 50 that might just get us. And obviously I'm hoping that that isn't the case. And realistically, I want Geelong to win by 20 to 30 points based on how the form's going at the moment. But I reckon Essendon by five points might be the final score. And for that reason, I'm going to say the, cl- the cloud cat of the week will be Mitch Duncan with 27 disposals. How did he hear first? Is it a fair prediction to say that this match will be won in corridor through the centre? If yes. if we allow them to get their fast play moving through the centre? Yeah, that's that's pretty fair to say that it's just going to be a run-and-gun type shootout game with lots of long kicks into the forward line and you know runs through the centre square and along the wings and then kick to the top of the square. I think that's fair to say. What do you reckon, Ol? We don't necessarily like playing a, a complete and utter shootout. That is more Essendon's um, style of game, given that they they do have um, so much uh, so much pace. Look, uh, you know, for for all that for all that's been so positive uh, with with the Cats um, and their and their form thus far this year, I actually will will 
buck the trend and be the slightly more optimistic of the uh, the cloud of this week. Um, wow, we first yet, time uh, ever. <laughs> yeah, I've I'm actually I'm actually um, changing character in some sense for this game, but um, but I'm only doing it to basically even out the ledger. If we if we end up winning this game and we do it with you know little to no um, issues in the in the medical sense with no injuries or anything, then um then yeah I'm 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 very bullish for the rest of the season. That'll be a a bunch of teams that we will have um will have knocked off that are you know strong contenders and strong rivals, you know. So I'm I'm willing to put my neck out in that regard. It kind of constrict the game and strangle their their run then you know we are a a genuine chance and we deserve to think that we are um so with that in mind i'll say cats by seven points you're a cloud of cat of the week if we're going to kick a winning score you'd expect that hawkins will kick a few goals I wouldn't uh, wouldn't put it past him to have a have a decent game if if he can um, provide a, a leading option and we get you know delivery inside fifty from people like uh, Duncan and Menegola and these sorts. Um, if that can happen, Hawkins to kick a few goals and have a good game. There we have it. For once, I was the most positive of all of us. Yeah. Unfortunately, two of us think that. <laughs> This may be the match that we get showing up. Either way, sub Go Cats. We are yeah. Give us the best. And Blazers 22. Sunday, 3.20. Up in Melbourne against Essendon. Let's cheer them on, boys. Go Cats. Go Cats. This is a test, but we'll see how we go. Absolutely. Go Catters.